I just came back from the salon. And for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time <laughs> with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells un. Believable, Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze's other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. Conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Roe. Roe provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Roe to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Roe Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roco slash andysgirls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash andysgirls. Sign up today. I'm busy flipping tables and the Senate. I'm a triple threat. I'm going to break into your house. I'm going to fuck your husband and I'm going to eat your snacks. Okay, we just need to cut the 
fucking shit, okay? Because I am so into this week's guest. I am so glad he's back on the People's People's Couch. I just, we need to intro him. Although, if you don't know his IMDb, if you're not an IMDb pro about this guy, I don't know what the fuck you're doing <laughs> with your life. you're not an IMDb pro, what are you doing? Are you even in the entertainment industry? Are you even interested? Um, you should be you should be putting that $14.95 toward the Andy's Girls Patreon is what you should be doing. But Hello. regardless... He is the host of my number one all-time favorite podcast, aside from my own, tied for first, (laughs) Las Culturistas. He's the host of Hot Dog Mm. on HBO Max. His expressive candor about culture (laughs) is my safe space. And I am so excited to welcome back to the People's People's Couch, (laughs) Monsieur Matt Rogers. Thank you. Sarah, thank you so much for having me back. What a blast. Um, Matt, thank you so much for being here. So I'm just much to say chat Matt about. Rogers. Yeah, so everyone says about. Matt Rogers. You know what? It's it's a three syllable name thing, so you must know. Um, I do know, and everyone calls me Sarah Galley. Yeah, yeah. It's like well, one of those things. That's four. Well named. That's four, but the thing Sarah is, with, with with three and four syllables, like you can be a one name sort of moment. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, Matt Rogers, so much to say. First off, let's talk about how great I look on this audio you do. podcast. Thank you. Your jacket oh God, looks you great. Have said that. And your hair Stop is looking it. great. Did you change your hair? Thank you. I got it cut super short and I just went blonde again. Yeah, you again. look great. You look great. Thank you. I hadn't gotten highlights in 11 months. And mm. COVID fucked a bitch up, and my beloved colors have 150 years, and I rescheduled several times because of COVID-related stuff, and we made it work. She let me come to her apartment. I walked 90 blocks from the Upper East Side to what? the EV. This weekend, We I brought biodynamic red wine. I got fucked up. I ended up staying there for six hours, which, let's just keep it real, wasn't all hair. There was other stuff. There had (laughs) to be some gossip happening. Also, you don't have to tell me about the relationship between a woman and a colorist, because my mother is a hair colorist. I grew up (gasps) for years, decades, uh, watching my mother have all the women of Long Island come into our little (gasps) salon in the house, and she would sort of whip them into shape. She'd whip all the Dianes and Lauras right into shape. Oh, my God. Yeah. Is she still doing it? Is she's kind she of is. making it work right now? She oh is. She has people come into the house. Obviously, they have to be masked and like follow the mm-hmm. the guidelines of it all. Um, but she stopped working in the shop as of last year or the year before. She retired from working in the mm-hmm. shop, and now she's working from home. But I have to say, like those clients, uh, they have been with her for years and years and years and years and years. So I get it. It's a sacred relationship. It's a sacred relationship. And my thing is, I think of myself as like lovably psychotic. So mm. I am like very easy, which is how you know that you're difficult. Like I <laughs> walk in, I'm like, AJ, so good to see you. You know, we've been clients for 15 years. You know, you do whatever. But you know what? Here's like three or four inspo pictures. Right. And But we're just chilling. I don't even care what it looks like. But then as soon as it comes off, I'm going to stare at myself for seven to 10 minutes and ask follow-up questions you're one of those. about stuff that you just spent hours. Oh, I'm a nightmare. Yeah. So my mom's pet peeve is people who ask questions while they're in the chair. Um, like people, like, what are you doing? What are you doing now? Like, what's this? Like, what's this product? And she's just like, if you want to talk, we can talk. But why are you grilling me about my process? Like, you keep coming back. You don't dislike what I'm doing. So what the hell? I mean, they're grilling her about her process while their hair is processing. Which very is very much so. 
a special skill. So listen, mm-hmm. Matt Rogers. Yeah. So much to say. First off, I bought Mariah Carey's book. I'm not a lamb. I'm not even in. I'm not even like the cousin. You're of not a even lamb. in nowhere. the pasture. You're not even. You're not I, even close. <laughs> I'm like at thirty percent goat at this point. <laughs> and I bought the book because you have a Mariah Carey specific episode of Lost Culture and I felt there was no other way for me to read actually be a reader mm. and listen to it as you call your listeners yes. than to than to buy the book so i it's on my list of things to do this week i am it's very worth it it's really a great read i think it revolutionizes the celebrity memoir and i would also listen to it if anyone out there is interested so you and your amazing co-host bowen yang mm-hmm. were talking on your most recent episode about like the single greatest way to read her book, which is to read her book while listening. Yeah, to that's it. actually something I've sort of revolutionized the way you can consume a book, <laughs> um, the way that mem- in the way that Mariah has memorized the celebrity memoir. So I've been uh-huh. like buying the I don't know where I think I have this expendable income, but I've been buying the audiobook and the book so I can read it while I listen to it and get sort of like mm-hmm. an experience of reading a book in actuality, like holding it in your hands and consuming it that way, but while also mm-hmm. sort of really ingesting the tone of the author. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really liking it. It kind of immerses you and makes you get it in more ways than one. Um, I've never really thought about what kind of learner I am, but I guess, mm-hmm. uh, but I guess I'm very um, aud- audible to to, to use you? the name of the app. I guess. <laughs> um, I'm one of those people where, like, when the Kindle went out, came out, and all that stuff, I couldn't do it. I need to no, physically either. hold a book. There's I need to have that book experience. About it. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like it's a real, actual, tangible experience. But if I was to get an audio book, it would make sense to be the one recited. Yeah, and also Perry. the one so- almost, like, not exclusively at all, but obviously, like, all throughout the book, there's, like, little singing moments, and she her story is so tied <gasps> to her she? Yeah, she sings throughout the book and sort of... um you get like little snippets of lyrics that she wrote at the time she was going through whatever she's talking about in the book and she'll sing that through. It's really good. And it's really, um, even for people with like a cursory understanding of who she is and what she's done and been through. As I raise my hand. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's you. So, um, Mm -hmm. still, if you like music and pop culture, you're going to really enjoy this book, really enjoy it because everyone knows the big things about her, but no one knows specifically what went down like everyone knows about mariah carey and glitter like mariah via v glitter mm. like but no one I mean, knows the specifics I'm of, I'm of the generation that remembers trl and her quote-unquote meltdown which when you think of that and how it was characterized as like this huge mental health um crisis and you look at that moment on trl now mm. knowing all of the shit that we have experienced and how high the bar has become for how to somehow you know lose yourself or whatever it's not to take anything away from what could have been a genuine crisis moment for her but it is also when you think about it a little laughable that she was put that much pressure and disdain and critique was put on her for a moment that wouldn't even be in the top thousand no. of things to have gone on in a calendar year. No, she she actually the thing about Mariah Carey is she was ahead of her time in almost every 
way. Mm -hmm. And one of those ways, unfortunately, was her relationship with the mass media and the paparazzi was like Mm -hmm. the same kind of time around the same kind of time when it was really kind of going off the rails for like um, right at this is right after Princess Diana had died. And like Mm -hmm. this is I mean, that that TRL thing that was like a week or two pre 9-11. Like Mm -hmm. people forget. But there was a different world. Never like, forget. Our, well, yeah. <laughs> that is, I guess, the premise. <laughs> um, but, like, <sighs> after that would go on, like, years after that, we'd still be dealing with, like, paparazzi culture being crazy with, like, Britney Spears and Paris Hilton mm-hmm. and Lindsay Lohan. So Mariah was, like, right in the thick of it. Like, when something could be happening, um, like, a mistake you made could stay in the news for a couple weeks. Like, this was still at that time when people weren't going out and just doing spontaneous things like that if you were a major celebrity. Or, mm-hmm. um, you know, we weren't as aware of uh, the media's treatment of women. Um, we mm-hmm. weren't as aware of the fact that, like, um, you know, anything that happens on television probably is planned with producers beforehand, like a stunt like that. Mm-hmm. And they made it seem like she just kind of bum-rushed the set of TRL in a big T-shirt with an ice cream cart and, like made a complete idiot of herself, but it was like a produced Mm -hmm. segment. Even if Carson Daly quote unquote, didn't know about it, like Mm -hmm. for him to kind of categorize it as she's this mentally ill person, like running amok, like Mariah Carey's crazy and stripping on TRL. Like it was just a characterization that would never happen now. And it's interesting to hear it discussed now. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's really, we've come such a long way without realizing it with how we treat uh, celebrities, women, et cetera. I mean, and I feel like the you could say that about... The possibility of a mental breakdown, like all those things. I feel like you could say that about so many moments that we sort of, as a country and culture, to borrow one of the phrases that's, you know, the backbone of Las Culturistas. Yes, culture, a famous um, phrase. <laughs> <laughs> when you look at the Janet Jackson, Justin Timberlake of it all, yeah. too, and you think of how she, her career was greatly harmed yes. by an experience that placed all of the pressure and blame and shame on her. And there was also a second participant who happened to be a white man who got who bigger after that moment. Yeah. Who got bigger? And it's kind of interesting as we look through a different lens through these moments and try to break down and understand how there are certain women, women in the public eye. We're talking about two women who both, by the way, happen to be, quote unquote, women of color. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure that wasn't an accident. Looking at how we have held people responsible to different levels is... I don't know that I would call it an embarrassment, but I would say it's deeply um, unfair. You know, there's there's no value system that's consistent. There's a racial bias towards Janet Jackson and Mariah Carey that whether or not people want to consciously acknowledge is 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 there unconsciously at the very least. And so Mm -hmm. for Janet Jackson to go up there and, you know, get her like bra ripped off by a white man and people mm-hmm. be upset with her. Um, mm-hmm. She, there was, she really wasn't like, yes, she participated in the action of performing, but she did not participate in the action of bearing her breast for the world. Um, that mm-hmm. was literally um, like, if you really walk it through, like it's, it's crazy. It's like Justin Timberlake saying, I'm going to have you naked by the end of this song. And then he rips off the thing <laughs> and she, her, 
tit comes out. And then people thought like, oh, because she's got that piercing, it must have been purposeful. It's like, mm-hmm. no, not really. You don't know what she was doing afterwards before. Like, <laughs> uh, no one fucking knows. And I feel like it just, it just the benefit of the doubt was not given to her for many reasons because she's a woman because she's a black woman because she's a performer which people still have Mm -hmm. this like weird conceptions of like in america like Mm -hmm. the like the fucking you know troughs of america who think like a woman on a stage like must (laughs) want it you know what i mean yeah it's a Mm -hmm. it's such bullshit and so i i think it's pretty directly tied to her identity as a black woman that she was just so cast aside by quote-unquote mainstream society you know what i mean Yeah, and I feel like there is a direct correlation with what's been happening in Potomac. I mean, I had a long Mm -hmm. conversation with Rachel Wilkerson Miller, who's a writer for Vice, about respectability politics on Potomac and the fact that it was really used to shame Monique when it came to that quasi-strange intervention Mm -hmm. setup shenanigan where the idea that she needed to be responsible for how all black women are viewed and how black housewives are viewed was a really unfair burden for someone who certainly needed to be held accountable for her behavior, but was not seen, was seen as a representative of her race in a way that white housewives and non-black housewives have not been valued against. And I feel like as much as I can say, oh, you know what? So much has changed. (laughs) You know, like, I wonder how this would have worked out for Janet now had it happened in 2073 or whatever the fuck we're in Mm -hmm. in 2020 at this point. It, I don't actually know that it would have been that different. I think that there would have been a pushback, but who am I to even say that things would have changed that much? You know, because we're still having these kinds of conversations today. Yeah. It's so interesting because you see how immediately they're preoccupied with that. And that Mm -hmm. is a shame because, like you said, the white women on this franchise, um, they don't have to think about this. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we can see Teresa Giudice kind of do whatever the fuck she's going to do and go to prison even. And no one's worried about, like, you know, the kind of reputation she's giving Italian women. You know what I mean? Like, whereas, like, Monique, I think, and Candace have a very sort of i don't want to say like it, we, something we had been waiting for because i i wasn't waiting for them to get violent but like this had mm-hmm. been brewing between these mm-hmm. two individuals for quite some time and ultimately it erupted in this moment now here's my opinion on what Tell went me what went down on the episode i can't uh, one wait. thing is i definitely watched it and i thought okay Monique is attacking Candace. Like, that is happening. Like, she is physically attacking her. However, mm-hmm. Candace, I believe, is a major instigator. I think she's got, like, a, like a pathological issue with creating mm-hmm. problems and instigating conflict. Mm-hmm. And um, I do think she'd been better about it this season until this wine episode when she was really going in. Um, mm-hmm. However, that being said, I don't believe she got what happened I don't think she, I don't believe she deserved what she got at all. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, I'm saying that there is some stuff to examine for her as well. Now, in terms of like the way the women absorbed it and dealt with it in that moment, which was the intervention, which is officially an iconic moment in the housewives canon. (laughs) um, 
I wasn't there, so I can't mm -hmm. speak to how unsafe they felt. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I can't speak mm -hmm. to the actual violence that they witnessed and were a part of physically. So mm -hmm. I, it would be wrong of me to say that anything that they're saying is, you know, uncouth or incorrect because I was not there. It was not my physical space being violated. It wasn't mm -hmm. stress I had to deal with in, in my physical space. And while I understand all that's true, I was disappointed that there was such a fatalistic sort of final conclusion that several of the women came to, which is to go as far as to say, you're a bad role model for your daughters and you're bad for black women. So I feel like if I'm someone who's a friend of theirs and I'm going through something and I have an issue that I have to deal with and I'm slowly trying to, I mean, however slowly, because she also said she didn't have remorse when she was sitting there, which is, mm. I believe was defensive, but you know, they took as being like pathological. Um, if I'm attempting to try to figure out and parse out what's happened here, what's mm -hmm. not going to help me and what's going to make my mental health worse is hearing from my quote unquote friends that I've mm -hmm. been a bad role model for my daughter and for my community and that people don't want to be around me under any circumstances and they don't trust me and they feel the need to bring security over to the house as a stunt. Like this might be a funny moment for you in the reality show, but this is my life and people are watching this and they're thinking, Oh wow. Someone that was there feels they need to bring additional security on a set that almost certainly has security um, mm -hmm. in a home that's like someone's private home, you know? Uh, so I thought that it was all a little bit extra and stunty on top of a situation that's like very real for Monique. And she's going to be followed around by for a very long time. And yes, there was discussion of the fact that, you know, they have to be better about this because of the way society treats them as black women and because of the stereotypes but I didn't think there was much of an attempt thus far to confront the stereotype as much as there was to confront Monique for embodying the stereotype and fuck you for doing that. You know what I mean? Well, they were, yeah, they were blaming Monique when they should really be blaming systemic racism, but that's a part of the problem of systemic racism is that they unfortunately- There's nothing to be done. Yeah, like it's just, is yeah, yeah. And it feels a little bit like there are so many challenges- there are many aspects of this and of these two women to empathize with. I feel like at a certain extent, we all need to appreciate the fact that, sure, nobody deserves um, to be physically harmed in any way, mm -hmm. like, and seen, done and done. Yeah. The problem that I face with Monique is the social media of it all. You know, like, I understand the idea that Candace is saying she needs to go along, uh, uh, you know, she needs to go away for life or whatever. Like, she needs the actual maximum. Her lawyer is allegedly saying we're going to try to get millions of dollars, whatever. Mm -hmm. If Monique in real time was really posting these, like, quasi-cheeky messages prior to the actual charges being filed, it's one thing that night to sort of blow off steam arm online. yeah well and to like arm oneself with this it makes sense that monique sort of continued to essentially charge you know the van or whatever and she because she wasn't done it yet. was it crazy hadn't left her it hadn't left her body but i can understand she blacked while out. completely disagreeing with it yeah. she was not in her 
in her right mind. Right. And P.S. Her right mind is not someone who is necessarily in control of standing up for herself verbally. She puts these things in boxes. And what happens when you put these things in boxes is that sometimes when it feels like you're triggered, the box opens up and it's way deeper and darker and potentially harmful to yourself and everybody around you than you necessarily thought about because the whole point of putting it in a box is that you don't want to think about it. So there was so much simmering tension and anger that Monique felt that while I was shocked and horrified, I wasn't surprised that she couldn't let it go. She physically was holding on to Candace's hair. She was trying to get by a producer in a stairwell so she could finish what she'd started. You mm -hmm. know, like there were aspects of, of this that I got. I also understood why she was still defensive and didn't feel like she was in a vulnerable place in that room with those women in the bodyguard, whatever, background, no, yeah. background performer, whatever else. What is annoying to me as someone who empathizes with Monique is the timing related to those tweets, to yeah. the winky face, to the, I don't remember the exact quotes of what she was posting on social, but the idea that she was making a joke out of this, you, you know, know, like, yeah. it's not ideal, Monique, like that doesn't help you. No. It, it doesn't help your position, you know, regardless of how I feel about what led to your explosion you know like that's not helping anybody's cause let alone your own i think that you know social media is i, I totally agree with you and social media is two things one social media is unfortunately a public record um mm -hmm. and social media mm -hmm. is two uh something that distorts so what we have in social media is a distorted public record so basically like we can never really know like exactly what the intent was between each tweet and each circumstance behind each um, post on social media. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. all we have is this assumption that she's being like glib about the whole thing or not taking it seriously or continuing to be violent online, which some, which is something that Candace knows a lot about because this is a, this really goes back to the instigating of it all. Like she certainly has no qualms or self-control when it comes to her behavior online, which I believe to be mm -hmm. borderline. So, um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that she felt like she needed to go online and post all that Monique, but because I don't, I agree. I don't think it helps her quote unquote, but ultimately what I'm trying to find out of all of this is how we can look at this circumstance, because I really do love all seven of these women mm -hmm. at their best. And I think that how are we going to make this a positive conversation moving forward that doesn't end with, well, we had to get this woman off the show because she was a bad representative of our community. Unfortunately, like she, she without taking out the how she represents your community of it all out of it, mm -hmm. she is a cast member on the show and she is a story that we are following. And mm -hmm. I'm invested in how she rehabilitates herself after this. You know what I mean? Like I'm invested in how a violent experience like this gets dealt with and moved forward with. And I'm also invested in finding out why it happened. You know, we clearly saw someone who was very triggered. And I think it could be productive for society to find out what the trigger exactly was, what it mm -hmm. triggered, 
and how mm-hmm. we can, as people that are watching the show, avoid the circumstance in our own life. Because it's not a situation that's specific to black women. Um, mm-hmm. I do think that there's some cultural things based on where Monique has come from that mm-hmm. seem to um, make her think that violence is an answer or a way you deal with things if put in a harmful or dangerous or threatening situation. Because if you mm-hmm. watch the show for seasons, she'll kind of toss off or allude to like, Giselle's going to get her face punched in, or this Mm -hmm. is going to happen, or I'm going to drag you, or this, that, the other thing. So this is a pattern of um, language that we've seen Mm -hmm. from Monique. We just hadn't seen it exploded to actual physical violence. So I think what we're dealing with here is just someone who culturally, for reasons that may be very understandable to some people that listen to this podcast and other people may not understand are just a little different than the way that the other women may have been raised or raised to to think was acceptable. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like Monique clearly thinks that one way to deal with a conflict is to take it to blows. And I don't think that's what the other women were expecting or desiring, obviously. And I would just like to see it explored and not just Monique gets kicked off the show. You know what I mean? I feel like what you're talking about is the importance of nuance, which mm-hmm. is a window into understanding how these women have reacted to this situation is a better representation for some of them of their levels of maturity. And I have to say, in talking with Andy's Girls co-hosts in the last couple weeks, it's really opened my eyes quite a bit to how emotional seemingly emotionally maturely Karen has handled all of this Mm -hmm. because she has explicitly said I obviously do not condone what this person did it was not good it was a you know it was essentially bad however I'm not going to turn away from this person they this one night is not the whole of Monique's character. And while I disagree with the idea that she shouldn't take responsibility for it or or the concept that she doesn't feel like she needs to be accountable for it, I'm going to walk with her on the path to hopefully taking responsibility. You know, I think that shows for Karen. I, I don't think Karen is given enough credit. And I feel like her perspective, which Candace truly tried to shame out of her mm-hmm. in that conversation at Dr. Wendy's, yep. is one that is more nuanced than how any of these other women are reacting. And I wouldn't say with the exception of Robin, but I would say like in the top two, it's Karen by far. And then I also do feel like Robin is at least open to empathizing with Monique in a way that nobody else is. And if you look at Candace's reactions, which are relatively consistent for Candace seemingly on TV and off, which are some sort of assortment of being, uh, there needs to be like a new word for rude, but just being vile to people online or on the show, taunting people, trying to trigger them and trigger a response. Mm-hmm. And then casting herself as like the victim of all victims who absolutely has to, um, uh, you know, who people absolutely need to forgive because she's deserving of it. And because she only did these things because someone came at her and whatever else she nobody else aside from Karen is applying the idea of the possibility 
of like reform. Right. You know? Well, yeah. Ka- and Karen that, is it's frustrating. Yeah. She's she's trying to be uh, she's trying radical empathy and she's ha- <laughs> she she's is. having it for both of her friends. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, ultimately for me, for me, Karen is the star of the season. Because obviously, while obviously. all this is, she's the glue, and which is which says a lot. Because while this is all happening mm-hmm. with Candace and Monique, and mm-hmm. they will certainly sit on each side of Andy at the at the reunion. Um, mm-hmm. I, Thank God for social distancing, by the way. Right, one hundred percent. I I would also say that while this is happening with Candace and Monique, we have what's happening with Ashley and Michael, which it's shocking mm. to me that this is not the a plot of of a series, which just goes to show that Potomac is is the crown jewel. Excellent. Yeah, it is. But but still for me and we have the introduction of of Wendy who I think has been a good cast member first mm-hmm. season. I think overall all things considered, like she's been like if you're going to give a grade so far, she's been like a solid A minus. A couple, mm-hmm, I agree. A couple overshots emotionally. You know what I mean? Like, like that first, epi- it, that first episode sh- at um uh, the right. the lake house. I lake was house. like, what the fuck is going on here? But then she, I was able to understand it later. Um, mm-hmm. While all this is going on, Karen is dealing with the fact that Ray, like, potentially may not love her anymore. <laughs> she's still, Wild. she's still, um, you know, being just as in- sharp and incredible as she ever has been in her confessionals she still (laughs) looks great you know she's able to be at the center of this conflict without um inserting herself into it she's Mm -hmm. just naturally playing her role in the group and it's compelling she to me is so great and i thought that the way she handled candace when candace said Mm -hmm. like you're playing both sides was exactly right she's like you are not going to tell me how to feel i have told you that what you've went through i sympathize with and i empathize empathize with and i sit here with you right now and i have told Mm -hmm. her that what she did was messed up and she even said to candace like yeah if it were me i might have pressed charges like mm-hmm. so don't don't then come to me and this is just goes to show that Candace is honestly at her core conflict driven in a way that's great for reality TV but like gonna put her in some difficult situations going forward uh-huh. because all she mm-hmm. can focus on in this moment is how Karen fucked up and not how Karen has been with her and counseled her in this c- circumstance she's just been unwilling to throw away a personal friendship of hers just because Candace thinks she should and then you know with all the women being like, we're not saying disown her, we're saying hold her accountable, which is what Wendy said. It's like, well, she has held her accountable many mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. Many times. Mm-hmm. And then they cut to the clip of her being like, you messed up in in, in uh, Karen's home. She turns to Monique and she said, let me be explicitly clear. This was not mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The, she absolutely was holding her accountable, but... I think what Karen is doing is showing us what it means to hold someone accountable that's done something wrong and also walk with them towards recovery or towards rehabilitation or towards, you know, um, remorse. I feel like for some of these women, they seem to have some sort of understanding that Monique's behavior is the whole of her character and what they are unwilling to reckon with is that their reactions to this have been much more of a revealing window than what any of them would possibly admit. And I do this segment on Andy's Girls, um, which is called Satchels of Gold in honor of Her Holiness Kelly Kalorn Ben Simone, mm-hmm. which are listener questions, thoughts, and feels about episodes as um, 
as the episodes air. And I have a satchel about Candace from Alanya in Portland who says, hi, Sarah. Thanks for being an outlet to all of us Housewives viewers who don't have anyone in our actual lives who give a hoot about all of this stuff. Mm. Alanya. Um, The scene in Potomac where Candace was crying about the assault to her mother in the car made me realize something. She is pressing charges on Monique because of her need for love and attention from her mother. It is something they can bond over and talk about, and it makes Candace feel important. For once, there is an acceptable situation in her mom's eyes for her to be emotional and full-on play the victim. So why wouldn't she take it to the full extent? She's getting love, support, and attention from her mom, and she certainly doesn't want that to go away. For once, Candace and her mother aren't fighting. There's a new enemy they can both latch onto. I also realize that her two mother figures are the ones that urged her to press charges in the first place, her actual mother and Karen. I hope Candace comes into her own one day, but she has a long, long way to go. Mm. That's and it's so really interesting. Isn't that, yeah. Right. And it's so interesting to me when you look at Candace, who has seemingly been abused by her mother emotionally, I would say medically with a woman who's a licensed therapist who has the fucking balls to say, I am going to use as a punishment and way to make you feel bad about yourself. Medical diagnoses mm. as a therapist. I think that is beyond harmful to someone yeah. um, and the damage that can do. And it's so interesting that to unpack Candace's relationship with her mother, where it feels like she's diminished. It feels like her mom has essentially betrayed her from going from a relationship where she's the nurturer to one in which the person has to like hide themselves or feel judged or, or ridiculed when they have an actual feeling. And now Candace isn't being abused emotionally, medically, physically, hello, that purse, by her mom. She's being harmed by someone else, and her mom's able to shift focus on that and say, how dare this person harm my daughter, Mm -hmm. a.k.a. how dare this person who isn't me, a mother, which I have given myself an excuse to do these terrible things, of course we're going to stand together. I am absolutely going to be here for you, Candace. I'm going to call you while you're on your way to the police station. I'm going to make sure that you feel comforted by me, the person who's ultimately betrayed you the most. Mm -hmm. And understanding that Candace's desire to feel accepted by her mom and not ridiculed critiques or whatever by saying I'm in pain something happened to me and I'm like harmed by it is such a vicious abusive cycle that it does also make sense as Alanya said that if Karen is the one saying yeah if I was in that position and somebody did something like that to me I'm sure I would press charges and her mom saying absolutely you have to press charges you were harmed of course she's not gonna let it go no I think that um pretty much this this person was Alanya. Alanya from Portland. Shout out Alanya. Shout out. I think that you've really nailed something and and I think that you've really identified mm-hmm. something which is that you know this is now something that she can bond with with her mom and uh it's something that she can feel safe with with her mom which is you know, not a way that she's felt historically. You see how emotional she gets whenever it's even mm-hmm. brought up. And I also think it's weird because Monique knows this about Candace. And um, mm-hmm. 
you know, it's just weird. And I'm sure in the past, like with the kind of sister-like relationship that they've had, mm-hmm. I'm sure that Candace has opened up many times about her mother. And um, it's just such a completely warped situation. And every episode of the show so far this season, fr- fr- especially from last year's reunion where we saw Monique and Candace mm. hug and c- mm-hmm. get really emotional and say, I miss you mm-hmm. and I want this to work. Like clearly they did. And every single episode this season I'm kind of watching their every interaction and just being like, how did we get here? You know, it just feels like it got thicker and thicker and thicker without anyone really in the entire circumstance knowing how to directly sort of attack what was the problem. They only knew how to attack each other. You know what I mean? And so, like I said, I just hope that there's some sort of productive narrative teachable moment that can come out of this and some sort of emotional revelation that can be unearthed because I just can't help but feel like it didn't have to get to this place and it's now got gotten to like an ugly cultural and uncomfortable but important cultural discussion that we're gonna have to have about um why this has shaken the woman the women so much Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. but yeah I mean I, I don't know. It's been it's been crazy television. I would like to have a timestamp, which I actually think Monique is probably preparing. Like if someone is going to bring receipts to a reunion, which does not have like the most successful route of turning anybody's attention, no. let alone Andy's. Like when you have 60 pages of shit like Carol, yeah. it's not it's just going to show that you're wasting a lot of paper. Yeah, you know, like you, we're not necessarily- you can't put it on. You can't put it on camera so it's like right there's it's very difficult to translate that in a way that will add weight to a narrative that we've been seeing on tv but i would like to know the timestamp of betrayal because what monique has referenced on the daily dish on bravo which she said in a couple instagram lives that the cast is no longer allowed to do what she said in um in actual instagram main posts is that there was another rumor, not the one that people are talking about on the show, that she had had a, a, an affair with the trainer, but there was a worse rumor that she did not want to reference, but that essentially exploded into all of this animosity, yeah. which is that, yes, there was a rumor that you know Giselle and Candace and whomever else went to a dinner after Andy's baby shower and said, essentially, how are we going to you know, bury Monique? Here's an idea of a rumor, um, and Charisse, obviously, that... Uh, that Monique and her trainer had an affair that produced a child that is not Chris's, her youngest son. And it was Candace or someone else who said, that will never fly. That baby looks exactly like Chris. Think of something else. And so what Giselle has referenced is um, an abbreviated version of that, the idea that she had an affair with this trainer or whatever. Which, And because Monique doesn't want to bring her children into this, understandably, because that's like the lowest possible blow a person could um make on one of these shows to like bring in the innocent young kids um it feels like as soon as that happened and as soon as Monique heard about it and didn't hear about it from Candace but someone else the attention shifted away from Giselle and Sharice and these people who she doesn't necessarily like so why should she give a shit and more to this woman that I thought I was making amends with and maybe our friendship was on like a a probation related status is a participant or at least not telling me about this smear campaign yeah yeah. in what what is a smear campaign and on 
a darker, more evil side. I think she is right to be horrified that her kids would be used in that way, which is so fucked up. I can't even say. Can we walk this back for a second? So wait. Please, let's walk. Let's take a stroll. There is... There is a belief that mm-hmm. after Andy's baby shower, which was the event yep. where all the housewives were at and Rena was dancing at the table. Am I getting this mm-hmm. right? Okay. You are. So after Super that. Bowl. Super Bowl plus a baby. Yep. Yeah, after that, the Potomac mm-hmm. women. But, Went out to dinner. But not Monique was because Monique is not there. I don't think she was there. I think the women that went out to, and guys, I know you are actually going to fact track me in my DMs, but it was Giselle, Sharice, Candace. Was it Karen? Was Karen the one that told Monique? I forget. That doesn't make fo- sense if Karen it, was there. I think Karen might have been the one to tell her. I forget what the group of women, but it definitely included Giselle, Sharice, and Candace. Sure. Went out to dinner and and had some sort of conversation of how can we get Monique so if that's true then we need to know that well that's why Candace uh, that's why Monique rather has been very explicit in talking about this stuff in ways that I'm sure maybe the network isn't thrilled well that's that's gonna be tough shit because and we need to be loud about that as fans because if the reality is that there was a planned sort of mm-hmm. conspiracy against mm-hmm. Monique from the beginning. And mm-hmm. that, that were, here's the thing about just like conflict in general and narrative in general, we have to work mm-hmm. off a premise. That's like sound, like something needs mm-hmm. to have happened for all these things to be valid. So like mm-hmm. you can't just have like Monique and Candace hate each other out of nowhere this season. And it's all kind of unclear. Is it about the Sharice thing? Is it not? And really mm-hmm. the answer is this thing that we, the audience are not seeing. Like we need mm-hmm. to, we need to know that, which is my frustration with a lot of housewives. Um, and I, I also do submit to the fact that it's like a produced reality show, but Beverly Hills, I think more than anything else, like oftentimes what the constructed conflict that we're seeing is not the real conflict in life. Mm-hmm. And you feel mm-hmm. that as a viewer when it doesn't necessarily add up emotionally and track narratively. So mm-hmm. I think like if we're in a post Denise Richards world where we're breaking the fourth wall a lot, we're and, and they've done it on Potomac, um, mm-hmm. then let's actually get to the root of what's happening here. And if ultimately the villain of this is Giselle, let's find out. Well, I think that's why Karen has been coming for Giselle in her Instagram lives. And I'm thinking, as you're talking out loud, I'm thinking of the Adrian Malouf surrogacy stuff in Beverly Hills. I'm thinking about Jill's unfortunate, albeit historic, move to try to push the season three of New York narrative around Bethany not supporting Bobby when he was diagnosed with cancer, when the real problem was Bethany was becoming famous and getting a spinoff and Giselle wanted, and sorry, and Jill wanted a piece. And while you were talking, I looked up a little bit of background from one of those um, beloved uh, gossip blogs, Lipstick Alley, and it covers this whole situation and gives a little um, background that in a live recently, which P.S. again, none of the women of Potomac are currently allowed I to do. I didn't know that. Is that is that a mandate just for Potomac? It's because these women were saying these things, mm. and I think it's specific to Potomac, and I actually think it's specific to these rumors because it was too revealing about what's not being discussed on camera well, right now. that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, but some of this you have to, regardless of how much I agree with her for doing it, 
by Monique not talking about this on camera and saying, what you guys are talking about is bullshit. I know exactly what you were conspiring to do, and that's why I'm pissed. Monique didn't want to give it light, but the 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 issue with not wanting to give a rumor like this light is that we are not all clued in on exactly what's going on and exactly what's inspiring the kind of rage and betrayal that she feels. So all it so looks we are like kept in the dark. All it looks like to the audience is like you don't want to talk about something for some reason, and that we we then have a raised eyebrow as to why you don't want to talk about it exactly. Like leaving the room as soon as she sees Sharice arrive because Monique knows what's going to come up and she doesn't want to include her kid in this kind of stuff because as you said at the beginning of our conversation today you know there's a time stamp on social media there's like a historic record that happens so imagine that to the millionth degree when you're talking about reality television when it's not just the words you're seeing on a screen but the person's face and expression as these things are happening mm -hmm. but in this little blog gossip yada um team lipstick love it uh candace said uh, in her live last night this is from however long ago in the last uh, I would say monthish, Candace admitted there was a plot to spread rumors about Monique's infidelity and the paternity of her baby Chase. Apparently she meaning Candace and several individuals from the show met up for a meal after Andy's baby shower. Candace says there were people present who wanted to make it a thing on the show and mentioned Robin specifically asking her why she was defending Monique. Oh hey Robin. Candace denied being the one to push this plot and says that she informed Monique which which makes sense because how would Monique know they plotted after Andy's baby shower in January 2019 so assuming she knew who the architects of this shower uh, architects of this rumor were which would have me laying hands on all involved because if Robin was at the lunch we all know Giselle was there as well why is Monique going so hard for Candace why was she glowing when Giselle seemed to accept her while planning Ashley's dinner I like my girl Mo but blah 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 I mean, listen, I think the reason she's not going hard for Giselle, who I am sure was a co-architect along with um, along with Sharice, is because she sort of knows who Giselle, uh, who Giselle is. They have never liked each other. Giselle has always come from her, from some sort of mix of jealousy and whatever else, and feeling like her role was potentially um, not necessarily going to remain as uh you know the streets are talking or whatever the fuck mm -hmm. um it, it i get that i get why she's not coming for giselle she's coming for that woman that she just got vulnerable with and cried at the filming of the reunion and saying i want to work on this and saying that i love you and saying that i'm sorry which does not come easily to monique monique is someone who for reasons that hopefully we'll learn more about does hold her feelings of vulnerability and accountability very close to her chest she's not willing to be as publicly emotionally vulnerable as some of these women would uh hope for it does reveal that Candace says she told Monique, Monique may feel either you did tell me or you didn't, but regardless, you participated in this or didn't push back enough. That seemingly is what kicked off all of this. And I think that Bravo has a vested interest because this hasn't been explored. And who knows if there was some sort of inter intervention from legal on that end, too, that they want to have this as like the plot 
but they also understand that too much of it goes way too far. It's why Sharice has been cut out of scenes that she's been, um, that people know that she's been filming at. I think it's why uh, the franchise well, I don't like is, any of this. I don't like any of this. I know, but it also, it, it shows that it's like, we can all say, I hate talking about this to this extent. And as you said, there are 17 other plots that we should be discussing. But I do think the nuance of this, the whole fucking team Monique versus Candace, which I used to do on social media, which I can literally no longer do, except I might do it again today. It's so nuanced because it's it's a revealing of the betrayal of friendship. It's a reveal of the nuance of production. Yep. It's a reveal of these women understanding the power that they have before, well before filming begins and the idea of strategy that's going on in their heads that opens up so much more that obviously I think in many ways reflects well for Monique because it's showing all of this stuff. And obviously you're going to come for her kid. You're going to come for her every being of herself. And it also shows why for Candace to be like, how fucking dare she? She did this crazy thing. Karen, why aren't you stepping up for me? Babe, we all know. Nobody's talking about it, but we all know about this dinner. Every single one of your co-stars at this point, regardless of whether they're talking about it in real time, know what happened and know why Monique is pissed. And that's a really shitty position to be in, I'm sure, as someone filming with her who may not feel comfortable talking about it. Or at least, at the very least, understanding that Candace has such little interest in taking the smallest amount of responsibility for what we all understand is horrifying behavior, if it's participating in this conversation or staying silent, mm -hmm. that it is actual lunacy to pretend that all that we're talking about is a physical altercation or a physical moment. Absolutely. Because there are so many layers to this that even though I want to talk about Ashley and Michael for literal years at this point, mm -hmm. I could like put on the calendar for 2021, me talking about their relationship oh, and the calendar is already filled. It's hard to get away from this because this is such a window and such a reveal into so many aspects of Potomac. Plus it's so beautifully edited, filmed, produced, that it's like engaging. It's like, how can I get away from talking about this? Because it just keeps like grabbing at me, you know? Yeah. My, I, my, my like two thoughts on it are just one. I think that I would love if all this were unearthed. I would love if this, it, I, yeah, honestly, it's, give, it's be, give yeah, us four episodes, give us four episodes of this reunion. Like we had with that one Atlanta year. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like we, we mm -hmm. need to understand what exactly went down because if this is going to be a reality show and now the whole fandom is talking about this dinner mm -hmm. and we haven't heard about this dinner once on the show, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. And my second mm -hmm. thought is I don't have good feelings towards Gis Giselle about all this. Like, to me, this to me, this whole series, Potomac, is gonna mm -hmm. end badly for Giselle if she doesn't change her ways. Because she really is like she's a bullshit artist. And I <laughs> I when I hearing that she I can literally see and sense and feel her energy at that dinner being like, How are we gonna get Monique? Like, and just for me, it seems like there's she can't go low enough and the little smile on her face when she's like sort of ruining people's lives and a little twinkle in her eyes when she's like, you know, conspiring in the confessionals or like we're spilling the tea in the confessionals. 
I just I'm not feeling good about Giselle this season, and I also don't love her plot line with getting back with her husband because I don't think it's good for her children. But um, she needs to she needs to just sit and spin for a second there. But I don't know. I, I just mean, as you're talking, I'm kind of just like I can't help but feel like this is somehow Giselle's fault. <laughs> oh no! What I I think it a hundred percent is Giselle is more to blame for this than anything else. And I also think how fucking good for Karen because she has been intimating this. She's been saying intimating explicitly saying potato potato that this is a hundred percent all Giselle, and she's been putting a lot of the focus on Giselle in her limited social media, and it makes me very very excited for whatever happens at the reunion Definitely. because we're all thinking Monique versus Candace because they're going to be in the same room for the first time since this happened yada yada assuming it takes place in a room which I'm sure it is the room where it happens it's actually to me much more interesting to go a level above that and talk about the two figureheads for the franchise Giselle versus Karen mm-hmm. because I don't know that Karen is great in the moment on reunions of delivering such a strong offense as Giselle might be, but I a hundred percent am closer to agreeing with Karen than I am Giselle. And I would just love to see it. I just want to see it play out. And I want to see Karen saying like, yada, 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 whatever you feel about Monique. Here is the actual problem here. We need to shift focus. Mm -hmm. Then have a 10 part reunion. I'm obviously like have, who's the Phaedra in all of this? Honestly, it's Giselle. Shit is going down. It seems like it's Giselle. I, 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 I have nothing to go on there. Just what you've said and like what I'm mm-hmm. feeling. And I feel like mm-hmm. Giselle, it's true. She's headed out for Monique. It feels it feels right. I don't know. Can I ask you a question? So listen, at the end of this week's episode, there's that moment where Ashley's saying, you know, here is a reason why I empathize with Monique. I'm sure part of it is the mothering thing and the idea of being without your kids and she's a new mom and everything else. And she also says there was a a period of time in which Monique and Chris, even if they didn't have evidence of this, could have quickly turned against Michael and myself. It would have been an easy thing to do regardless of there being video evidence when everything came out about Michael yet again last season during the reunion. Um, And they didn't. And I feel like I need to do the same for her. I need to support her. What were your thoughts watching that play out? And do you think that that was uh, a perspective that you find understandable, regardless of whether or not you personally agree? I understand why Ashley is doing what she's doing. If that's her reasoning, I believe her. I also think Ashley was flat out not there when it happened. And so her perspective mm-hmm. is never going to be the same as the other women's. Like she, her physical space wasn't threatened. She wasn't part of a, she wasn't part of physical violence. And so mm-hmm. she's just not going to have the same perspective as everyone else. Like whether whether or not she kind of knew it was coming and chose to excuse herself. I don't know how that could have been the case because it didn't escalate or even start escalating until after she had left. Um, But I just think, or sorry, Ashley's read on the whole situation as we see it on the show is going to be uninformed and different from the other women because she hasn't even seen it happen on television yet. She doesn't even know what happened. 
And yet it doesn't appear that as these episodes are playing out, she's changing her opinion in any way. And she's probably seen that scene now 10, 15 times. To be honest with you, like, I don't really follow up with them on social media. Like, I kind of just watch the show. And that's why I wish that, like, we could see more of reality on the show because it sounds like there's a Mm -hmm. lot going on. Um, Mm -hmm. But I watch them on Watch What Happens Live and stuff. Like, I did see... um, Giselle and Ashley Mm -hmm. on Watch What Happens Live the other night. And it seems like, yeah, Ashley's sort of remaining noncommittal. She's sort of um, staying with her narrative on the show as it's rolling out, which, you Mm -hmm. know, we'll see how she feels in the reunion. Maybe, and I'm sure she'll get the question of after seeing it, what do you think? What are you? You know what I mean? And I, yeah. Like, but I also think, look, on a show like that, you need your allies. And if Monique has been an ally to Ashley in the past, you know Ashley doesn't know if Monique is going to be on the show going forward like but she also understands the power and value in an ally and she also dislikes Candace and good for her and uh, yeah exactly and so Candace has been fucking horrible I mean where is your income roach while she was giving birth like these things are defining we're not spending enough time talking about that calling someone regardless of you knowing that they're actual and literal like giving birth at that moment you know she's fucking heavily pregnant you call her a roach which if we're going to talk about the um systemic racism bullshit things that um black women have to go to calling a black woman a roach is especially fucking horrific and candace gets away with all these little whatever's that she does and I do not feel like enough time has been spent on that because Candace's behavior on social media trust trust believe it's bad and it doesn't it's it's not good it is not a good look but it is an excellent reveal these slow shots of following Candace around her house while she like cleans a table I'm like guys she is not fucking sissy space second in the bedroom like we we don't we do not need to fucking like memorialize candace in this way like it's what a great ending to me it's just like i'm like i just can't with like all of a sudden the show pretending candace is a character that we know her not to be she's uh like abusive on social media she's a bully she's a she's she cannot stop instigating and creating conflict and it caught Mm -hmm. up to her and i'm Mm -hmm. sorry but Maybe it's a Monique and Candace are oil and water situation, and this is where it was all heading. But you cannot be Candace and say, I have nothing to examine about this entire situation. Like, that would be crazy. And that, to me, is, like, another tragic thing about this whole situation is that Candace gets to feel like a justified victim in all this, and she's Mm -hmm. not even going to grow up at all. She's not going to mature and develop at all after everything she's been through on this show and she's put the other women through. Like, why? Because someone else did something objectively horrible? Like, you get to continue being you, and now we get, like like I said, these like tracking shots of you, like walking around the house in sweatpants, like give me a break. Candace and Monique may be oil and water, but Candace as a human person is an oil spill. (laughs) She is nothing but deeply toxic and harmful, truly to like communities of living people. Her like her path of destruction knows no bounds. And that is in real time with real people she is a harmful, bad person. That being said, and I she certainly... she pretends to take accountability, and it's not fucking real. I certainly enjoy watching her Save on the, the show. Save the seagulls. Oh, she's great. I certainly enjoy watching her on the show, and I want them to figure it out because I do like this cast. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like 
So I don't know. I don't know where it goes. But I, I, after hearing what you've said, like I really wish they were more transparent about what was actually going on because they've shown that they can be on Beverly Hills. Maybe they needed to be to even create a narrative at all on that season. But um, yeah, we want the truth here because it's real stakes. And I would hate to see Monique mm-hmm. just like cast aside like this show having done what it's done to her without like the truth of the experience being revealed. I think regardless of whatever is going to happen with casting in the future, it they are in a position where they have no choice but to talk about these things because the women, not just one person, but several of them have been explicit in sharing details and information, which puts Bravo in the position of having to discuss this stuff because regardless of if Andy asks the question, Monique is going to provide this in her answer. Right. So they can either ask it and put the focus on them being more revealing or they're still going to... Like regardless of whether that question happens, it is still going to be revealed. It's just a matter of what's included in the final edit, mm-hmm. you know? Totally. I mean, these are the kinds of conversations, love of life, Matt Rogers, <laughs> that I could have with you forever and ever. Amen. I have to tell you, I am such a super fan of Las Culturistas. Thank you so, I so much. You are so talented. You're so great. I watched the first episode of Hot Dog. Aww. I think... The combo, the chemistry, you know, like one of my favorite shows that I love to watch is Nailed It with Nicole Byer. And if you are a fan of Nailed It, you will have absolutely no choice but to stand for (laughs) Hot Dog on HBO Max because it is light and fun and quick and witty. And it's you, Jess Rona, I want to say, who is uh, in a recent episode of Lost Culture, he says, which is great. Yeah, Yeah, tell us a little bit. She's a celebrity dog groomer, and the whole show is Mm -hmm. based off her brand. So if you go to her Instagram at Jess Rona Groomer, it's really fun she like is an unbelievable top of the line dog groomer and she basically like does these like slow motion videos where their hair gets blown (laughs) in the wind after they uh get groomed and so what's happened is they've taken her brand and dog grooming and they've made a competitive Mm -hmm. reality show out of it so um jess is the dog grooming expert and robin Thede from a black lady sketch show and she's amazing and she's the hot expert and then i'm the host (laughs) and we have hot dogs so on each episode it's sort of like chopped or nailed it three dog Mm -hmm. groomers who are amazing come in and they um go through different challenges to find out who's going to win ten thousand dollars on each episode and it's really a blast the 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 style is very like 70s like sort of throwback so colorful fashions are great color it's very colorful aesthetic and uh we have a blast at the table they really just let us be ourselves and Every episode gets better and better, and we're so we're really we've, we've released six now. They're out on HBO Max now, mm-hmm. and then six more mm-hmm. are going to come out at the end of the year. So and the yeah. six that come out at the end of the year, you filmed sort of they're during all shot the COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We shot, oh, they're already done. Yeah, okay. it's all during done. COVID, right? We because shot the okay. whole thing during COVID. It was actually kind of oh crazy. God, crazy. Like we shot it in July out in Simi Valley, um, and we did twelve oh. episodes. So we worked on it for about two and a half weeks, and. It felt really good to work again, especially on something so positive. And that's something I can't Mm -hmm. stress enough is the show is so fun and positive. There's not a moment of snark in it. It's not Mm. cynical at all. And, you know, it would feel really good to throw on TV right now if you wanted to binge watch something that is going to take you out of a um, a wall-to-wall panic mode that we Mm -hmm. seem to be in right now as a country and as a world. So it'll make you feel good. It will. And I have to tell you, I have not been sleeping well the last couple of days. I've been like waking up with anxiety, yeah. whatever, for signif- for hours at a time in the middle of the night. And we're at a real crisis point as a country. The focus, as it should be, is on 
voting, the importance of voting early, of showing up and making sure your voices are heard. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, not forgetting the importance of self-care. And that means if you know that you want to watch something, but you think it's going to trigger you, maybe wait a second. And also, I, as a TV person, my entire life, my love language is television. Mm -hmm. There is something wonderful about watching a show that purely exists to make you feel good. Mm -hmm. And I highly recommend Hot Dog because it is that kind of show where you can just watch it and you literally feel better after so i couldn't recommend it enough i feel the same way about las culturistas can you please tell the ags how to follow you listen to <laughs> las cult all that sassy stuff thank please, you please, so please. much um well oh God, so so you can follow me at matt rogers though on twitter and instagram mm -hmm. um we'll see how much longer i have twitter um but you know i'll, I'll, <laughs> Wait, the, I'll the probably always keep instagram but um oh, anyway yes. uh you can you can listen to Los culturistas every wednesday where uh, we release new episodes um from iHeartRadio and the big money players mm. network and it's me and bowen yang and we talk about pop culture and we kind of just go talk about what we're going through and you know um we are best friends, so we share it all. Mm -hmm. And uh, yes, you can, <laughs> and you can stream Hot Dog right now on HBO Max. Matt Rogers, thank you so much for having me. I will come back anytime. It's like so fun to talk to you. I love you so much, and I honestly, <laughs> I, I'm in a DM thread with bravo holic accounts like these are the people who are the kings and queens of like genuinely driving conversation about all things bravo like truly yeah and it's the five or six of us who just shoot the shit 24 7 and one of them said the other day i need a pod that is not bravo relate like i need just something that is a genuine outlet and i started screaming in the <laughs> thread and i said let's go jerry <laughs> <laughs> you Thank have to you for your suggestion. It. By the way, did you see Bo and Yang on Watch What Happens Live? I not only did I see him on Watch What Happens Live, but when he revealed on the pre-Watch What Happens Live uh, episode of Las Culturistas that he called Ramona Singer a white supremacist. Yes, he did. I screamed for a year and a half. And while it wasn't unfortunately included in the episode, the fact that somewhere in some sort of cave exists video place, footage of Bowen Yang telling Andy Cohen and Monique Samuels that Ramona Singer was a white supremacist. I know. I love it. And it includes video footage of Andy's response. Yeah. Which is something. Apparently I their jaws love. both dropped. <laughs> I mean, it was such an aha moment, if not anything. I mean, it was, it was so it was beyond sublime. And guys, if you want to watch that episode of, of Bowen on Watch What Happens Live, it's 100% available at bravo2.com. Instagram, at Dame Galley, Patreon. You get exclusive bonus episodes. I'm going to do a bonus episode now of Extra Satchels of Gold that I didn't have a chance to talk about. And you know, guys, that I just love talking about satchels and <sighs> revealing them for hours and hours a day. So patreon.com slash Girls for bonus episodes of Andy's Girls. I just forgot the name of my pod that I've done for years. <laughs> and so much more. Matt Rogers, love you to bits. Love you. Thanks so Literally, much. Literally, you're phenomenal. Guys, stay safe. Vote. I swear to fucking God, please. <laughs> with everything and you vote multiple times i'm a big fan of a buy one get one voting experience so if you voted first and it was i just voted too good, my ballot was counted <gasps> did you vote in person or did you i do dropped a, into um, a ballot box but this was weeks ago so everyone should vote in person now 
Yeah, I'm voting early and in person, and I'm so excited. I love a plan. I love a sticker. I'm going to ask for two because I'm a greedy bitch. And guys, stay safe um, and sassy. No, that doesn't work. And (laughs) we will talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye. Aw, so fun.